Welcome to this week's Anglers Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats. Still building legends one at a time. Now here's your host, Chris Brown. Welcome in, folks. This week's Anglers Channel Insider Podcast coming to you a day early. Why? Because, boys, it's hell week. It's iCast week, right? iCast is here. It's the week of July 19th. Uh, as you listen to this, it's July 20th, iCast Eve. All the new stuff coming out. If you haven't seen a lot of the new stuff already, you can come to anglerschannel.com, click on new products. A lot of new stuff already up there listed, pressure releases and all that good stuff. But um, so a day early this week because we are on the road getting ready for iCast and getting prepared to bring you guys all the information and all the fun stuff from there uh, that you're looking to see. I am Chris Brown along with Angler Channel Insider, Mr. Kenneth Grover and direct. I saw your email today, David, your, your little your signature block there. I think you stole some of it from me. But uh, in your in your English channel email, but uh, <laughs> director of social media content, I, I, whatever we named him, I don't even remember now. Social ninja, more than anything, I think, Mr. David Zhang. And yes, this is the English Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine. We're shocked to life by Rely on Lithium Batteries, and um, yeah, we got a fun little show for you guys tonight. We're just going to go ahead and jump into it. I'm going to push the button here and uh, let him come on in uh, in just a second here. But we're going to welcome in. I, I've noticed on social and I've seen other places uh, a, lot, a lot of questions on who's in, who's out, who's where, who's doing this, who's doing that for next year. The thing just ended. Elite Series just ended literally yesterday, right, as we record this. But I thought, you know what? I don't have time to do the math. KG, I know you don't have time to do the math. You're building a hospital. David, we don't know what you're doing with the spreadsheet. So we're just going to – I just called Ronnie, and I said, dude, you just got to you got to come on the show, and you got to uh, you got to get involved and, and kind of give us the lowdown on what's happening and how it's working. And uh, basically, you know, who's in who, – we got to hear it from the horse's mouth, right? You got to hear it from – you know, from the guy on the inside. So, Ronnie, can you hear us? I can indeed hear y'all. Can you hear me? We got you, bud. We got you. And we are currently rolling. So, we brought in Ronnie Moore from Bass Live, from JM Outdoor. I mean, dude, you I don't even know what your what your, your real title is, but, I mean, you're just – I was hoping to do Zoom so there would be, like, the screen of knowledge behind you. But, um, you know, instead we get your bedroom, so – yeah, exactly. Yeah. And normally it's the garage, but are out in the shed, but, uh, I decided to do it in the house today. And luckily, I mean, I hate to say this, but like five minutes ago, I realized, oh my gosh, it's almost five o'clock. I got to like go in here and do this. So I've been working from the house today. Normally Monday after a week of live people won't, you know, go into the office, they'll work on other stuff if they want to, or take the day off. And, and I always can log into my computer from home at work. So I've been working a little bit today on the archives so people can watch Bass Live all week if they want again. Okay. So, so you do all the archives and get all that stuff squared away for folks to watch. Yeah, that, and I mean, I don't want to list off stuff because people just start to think that I'm saying it, you know, uh, to brag <laughs> or something, but no, it's, Anything that goes on YouTube, a lot of the video, if not every, you know, most video on the website uh, comes from comes from the desk at my computer or somewhere nearby. But no, we put out a lot of different stuff and 
I think I'll just say, I think people in bass fishing would be amazed if they saw how much content Bassmaster put out and how many people actually create the content. It's pretty incredible. Sure. And, and that's just, we have some, some of the best people that, that have a lot on their shoulders. Yeah. I've walked through your offices uh, in the past. And of course I've been around the backstage of a lot of events and things. And uh, there's quite the army that puts together one of these events from the classic to the late series to college to you name it. There's quite the, the entourage that puts together one of these events and it's pretty impressive. It is indeed. And especially like for the live show, when you think about how much replays we're doing, we're going, we're Skyping this guy, we've got 10 cameras, we have four or five commentators, we've got everybody listening in. Like it seems like a whole lot. And then when you walk around the truck during a live show, you realize that every person has three different tasks. And if they slip up, then, you know, you'd notice maybe, but I don't think that many people even catch the mistakes because there's not many from our crew. So it's honestly, I love doing live shows way more than busy work during the week, sure. like off season. And I was loving last year because it seemed like it was spaced it out and then three in a row. And then, you know, it was good. But then this year we've been every other week and now we've got six months of busy work that I got to figure out what to do. I love covering <laughs> tournaments, but man, I get exhausted. I, I used to fish in college, three days of practice, four days of a tournament or three days of tournament, whatever. I've never been more tired in my life than four days alive. And so when we have sure. back-to-backs and stuff, man, it is, it is, I get comatose at night. Like my wife's like, why won't you talk to me? What's wrong? And I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm I've sorry. been talking all day. I, I, I have no more. I'm with you. Even with Ronnie you. Moore is out of words. Yeah. So let's talk about this year because, I mean, it's been a pretty incredible year for guys. I mean, we've seen a lot of new winners and, um, you know, obviously Hank repeating at the Classic. But, I mean, you guys have had a heck of a year this year for, for, for Bass and for Bassmaster and the live stuff. Yeah, to think about it, just even going back to the beginning, you could name off every winner, and there's a different storyline. You've got Brian New, his first Elite Series event, coming uh, coming in with a win. He won his first ever Open as well in that same state. Gussie winning uh, for Canada, the second one, doing it all smallmouth, which sure. is incredible. I remember Kenneth saying there would be 450 20-pound bags, and there was only one of those caught. I'm not going <laughs> to let him. I had to remind him. Just to, I just thought about that today. But then you've Your got – memory is too good. <laughs> then you've got uh, you've got the third event of the year. Uh, I believe it was Pickwick and Bill Lowen finally getting that done. You got the Sabine Christie yep. coming back. You've got all of these different things going on. Uh, Texas Fest giant bags on the final day. Caleb Kufal winning Gunnersville by such a large margin. Right. Doing something did. West Logan winning on his home body of water. That was cool. And then the uh, classic, obviously Hank. The way he did that was awesome. And then the last two. Back-to-back weeks was incredible. Just having Champlain as – I've said it. It might not put out the top five tournament weights for an Elite Series event. Champlain doesn't. But it's got to be a top five tournament lake in the, in the world. Oh, sure. Just, through the standings, how many people catch them, it is incredible. If you catch 16, you're, you're, be- you're below the cut by 15 spots. Right. Even though 17 is the cut, you know. And so – it, Champlain being incredible and uh, Brian Schmidt using his knowledge to win that was awesome. And then the St. Lawrence, 26 pounds on the final day of the season. I mean, what else could you ask for? You know, incredible. I didn't get to see a whole lot of that um, uh, on that final day. How incredible was that with Taku? It was – so when you go back, you know, sometimes we're in the middle of a fish catch and someone else is hooked up and people are like, you know, wow, it's way every time Bassmaster goes to an angler, they catch one. Well, it's like it's, they're ha- they catch them at the same time. Do, right. we, do we 
cut to them in the middle of their fish catch and you don't get to see the the cast the evaluation of the electronics the hook set and so sometimes it's you know we're catching up because somebody caught one at the same time we're showing somebody else catch one so taku though in the middle of the morning you know he was making probably one of the if not the longest runs of anyone just where he had to navigate to but luckily that final day the wind direction it made it a little easier for him to travel compared to a Chris Johnson or an Austin Felix who were probably going the same distance, but just out in the middle of the lake rather than hugging the shoreline. So Taku gets to his spot and catches a three pounder, which is fine. He started in seventh, you know, that's one he's going to call, but we didn't expect what happened next. And he caught, he hooked up with one. He, he's fighting it. We know Taku fights smallmouth probably longer than anyone on the elites. So that's fine. <laughs> so you don't know how big it is until he gets to the boat. He lands one. It's gotta be a, a heavy five. He lands a four, he lands a five. And then at a certain point he said, I think he said, I want to butcher this, but he said, Taku loves smallmouth, smallmouth love Taku. Taku's boat is smallmouth Disneyland. And, and it was the best thing. And then the next fish catch, he said, there are 105 pounders under my boat. Like he hooked one and I guess his graph lit up. He's like, five pounders everywhere 100 wow. 105 pounders and then he ended up i mean 26 wow he, he, uh, he made a bet with his cameraman the last 10 minutes of the day he said what do you think you have and taku said 22 and we all <laughs> laughed on live because we thought he had 24 to 25 he's getting a little better but on the final day he got away from him a little bit and then uh, his cameraman said i think you have 26 and he said 26 no maybe 24, maybe, you know, something like that. And, and he said, okay, I'll make a bet. I get your boat if it's 26. And he said, okay, if it's not 26, I get your camera. And so I had to text our cameraman and said, did you get his boat? Cause it was 26 on the dot. It was incredible. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. That was, uh, that was really cool. I did watch the way in and he's, I tell you what, he's a funny guy. He, that's, that was, uh, finally somebody that can halfway shut Mercer up. That was, that was good. So. It's incredible. He told us that story at the classic, uh, in the interview room, you know, we, we interview guys every day when they do well, or the beginning of the week are 10 anglers. So he's a great storyline, uh, making his first classic. And so we interviewed him and we asked him like how, how he wanted to, you know, what's it like to be able to fish in the classic. And he, he told us that story about playing video games in Japan as an eight year old, and the last level, it's almost like the the boss at the end of a game, like the Mortal Kombat. You've beat all the minions, and you got to beat the you got to beat the boss at the end of the game. And it was Hank Parker at the Bassmaster Classic. Wow! And Taku beat him, and so he's like, "I won, I want to." And he and that was the first time that he knew about Bassmaster. And so, thank goodness for that because it put him in a dream and a path to try to get to America to to be a part of the Bassmaster Elite Series did so well in the opens in such a difficult division, the centrals and whatnot, and then makes it to, um, makes it to the elite series. And, and it's incredible that now he's a Bassmaster elite series champion because of a video game when he was eight in Japan. Sure. Set fire to, to, to go bass fishing. And I was like, Taku, you're going to be in a video game next year when the, the dovetail games, Bassmaster, <laughs> you know, 2022 comes out, you're going to, I'm going to beat Taku. Right. Right. That's that's cool. You know, I I, I he, he made a comment on stage, and I, I hope to get him on this show sometime to talk to him about it. But you know, he made a comment about making that run, and you know, the water and being rough and, and the different things, and like he he doesn't have wave, doesn't have rough water in Japan uh, or wherever he's from. So I, I know when Polonic won, or the first time we ever went there, and Polonic won. 
uh, being in the boat yard with a screw gun, having to help put his boat back together because he was so rough, right? He just beat everything to pieces and just, you know, screwing down graphs and putting everything, you know, just kind of getting everything ready to go for the next day. And so, um, you know, I, I really want to hear from him that, you know, how, how that, how his experience has been, I mean, basically navigating new water because everywhere he goes, he's never been this year. So a hundred percent. And, and when you make that run, you know, you launch there and practice nearby, you don't have to run too far. You take it slower when you're wanting to get to your area, you know, 130 miles away. And, and you're running 60, 70 miles an hour if you can. Right. You're still, even when you're running 40, you're pushing it. I mean, it's it's like I should be running 30, but I'm running 40. Or I should be running 40 and I'm running 50. Right. And and being able to navigate that, that final day, I don't know what it is. We get lucky with great weather wind-wise at the St. Lawrence until the final day. Sure. Last year, we saw Chris Johnston and Paul Mueller just, I mean, couldn't keep the boat in the water with the rollers. And it's different out on the lake. It was probably rougher in the river navigating than it was on the lake, but it was rougher on the lake fishing, if that makes sense, sure. because it was it was coming down the pipe against the current, stacking the waves. We've we've all been to Pickwick. Yeah. We know what it's like at Seven Mile Island when it's opposite <laughs> of the current. So at the St. Lawrence, it's the same thing, except it's sustained current. It's not, oh, we're just letting out from the it's all the time. It's all the time. Yeah. And so they had to navigate through the islands, you know, going into Canada to navigate, getting back into the New York, doing all of that. But then when you get to the lake, if you're going out to Galu Island and whatnot, like like Johnston and some of those other guys were, you're just rolling, you're just running against giant waves. Yeah. And for Paku, I guess he was able to hook a hook a left and run that shoreline where it kind of blocked it a little bit, but it was still a little rough fishing, but it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. But to see him say, I don't know how to drive a bass boat in this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You'll learn pretty quick on the Great Lakes, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I know what I've been up there a couple of times and fished as well, like after an Elite Series event, or you know, we're like in a break in between the events and things. And you're on, I mean, you're like, man, I'm not going to the lake. The wind's blowing today. Then you get on the river and you're like, holy crap, I should have gone to the lake because the, the, the river's rough. I mean, it's it, it's hard to navigate. So Bernie said that. I know Bernie's a little older. I love I love him. He's seasoned, but he's seen it all. And he was like, I he didn't even go that far. He was probably one of the closer anglers compared to our top 10. And he's like, man, I think his comment was, if you're thinking about getting a vasectomy, yeah. don't go through the process. <laughs> Just go drive the St. Lawrence River on a Sunday afternoon and you won't have to worry yeah. about children anymore. <laughs> yeah, it'll beat you to death. That's uh, that's for sure. I don't I've, know if that's allowed on the Anglers Channel podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> Shit, dude, we talking about we, we have all kinds of fun here. Heck, I mean, I've done it both ways. So, you know, I've, I've got both, both sides of that coin, so I know how that works. So. All right, so Taku wins uh, the final elite series of the event or of the year, a great event. Fighter, day two, I believe, wins the uh, Angler of the Year. We knew that was coming. I mean, you can't go to Champlain have the have the year he's had. Go to Champlain have that kind of a finish. Come to St. Lawrence, and, and I think the first day was a little rough, but after that, I mean, he was there. And um, so, I mean, you, Fighter wins AOI, um, but then. I noticed looking over the weekend at my Angler of the Year list on Bassmaster.com that all of a sudden there was a blue line used to be there around 40th place. All of a sudden that shit's gone, Ronnie Moore. And I'm like, I'm texting these guys going, what's cut? What's classic cut? Who's in? Who's out? Where are we at? And David's like, I think it's 40. No, it's 41. No, it's this. No, it's that. Then I'm on social and it's like, Ari's like, we've crunched the numbers I'm in. I'm looking at my list going, 
All right. Well, they went to 41, so that leaves. And then next thing I know, I'm seeing more social posts today from you. So I'm like, you know what? Fine. We're just going to call Ronnie, get him on the show, break it down for us, dude, because we don't see what you see. Why is that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say thanks, Chris Mitchell, for removing that blue line because no one texted him asking the classic headline. <laughs> they just texted me, so I appreciate that. Well, he won't answer anyway if you text him, so it's all You're right. You're probably the only one that knows. Yeah. Exactly. So, anyways um, – Looking at that classic cut line, it's it's 39. That's the that's the if no one in the world double qualified, if nothing like 39, sure, 39. is the official number. Hank Cherry double qualified from winning the classic right. and already, you know, and, and being good in points. So Hank finished like top 20 in AOI and won the classic, double qualified. He's done that now two years in a row. I, I know that's huge for Hank. Sure. As kind of like a motivation for his brothers on the elite series to make sure if you win the classic to double qualify. Normally that's three quarters of the seasons left, but this year was a quarter of the season. Sure. So Hank double qualified. It goes to 40. Brandon Polinick won the open at right. James river. Mm-hmm. So it goes to 41. And what's cool is whether Brandon decides to say, Hey, I've fished a lot this year. I'm going to go to Idaho and I'm going to just chill for the rest of the year. It's still 41. Normally it's if, an, if a guy wins an open, he has to fish the rest of them to get that spot. Right. Otherwise he goes back to the elites. Well, if Brandon who already is in the elites, he, he wins and he'll double qualify adding it to the elites. But if he doesn't, it goes back to the elites anyways. Because okay. it's like he's like a local cherry picker. It just would go back to the elite. So for Brandon, I don't know. I'm going to let him know that if he wants to like go home and get some rest, I'll say, hey, you don't have to fish the James. You don't feel obligated. Right. You are will double or you, you won't double qualify. You'll just take that James Open spot away from you and give it to the elite series, sure. which is already done. So sure. it's it's 41 going into the last day of the season. And Taku and Justin Atkins head to head. Uh one of them punches their own ticket. One of them punches another ticket. And that was the deal. Taku double qualified and was able to bump it down the angle of the year list one more spot. Whereas if Justin Atkins won, he would have punched the ticket for himself because every year we have an event that's winning in. And normally that's Texas fest at fork, right? Not face. So because of, if you look at what Texas Fest is named, I'm not going to say it on the show. If you go look at the website and see what the name of the event is, sure. it's a little different than past years. Right. There's not a specific name in front of Texas Fest. So because of that, we didn't give it any other special meaning uh, mid-season event. We decided, hey, if we're going to keep one event winning in, why don't we make the last one incentive for even the guys who can't make the classic any other way? If they win the last event, they're in. So that's why it's Lee Livesey did not punch his ticket at Fork winning that event it was normally like that but this year it was the last event of the season to keep that incentive in there for the elite series so taku won double qualified because he's in the top 20 in points or so and uh punched another ticket so 42 is the mark and now i get to go into another explanation because because, with the angler of the year list I got to to get situated in my seat. The angler of the year list on Bassmaster.com is the outright sheer points for all nine elite events, all nine elites. But that does not account for this one out of a hundred year where we gave a COVID drop. That's what we call it. A COVID drop. Drop your worst finish. If one angler in the field misses an elite event because of COVID, and I'll explain why we did that. If one angler in the field missed an event because of COVID, which was David Fritz, 
did not get it during an event. Don't need any drama there. He got it before the season was recovering and was really scared for being able to recover and was not able to fish the first event because of that. So that was already voted on last fall and it came to fruition. Now the deal is, is if Fritz missed another event for another reason, it would go away. You know what I'm saying? Like if he missed multiple events, it would go away. Sure. Um, But this was to ensure, I'll go back and explain this now. Last year, COVID 2020, uncertainty with the world, going to New York for two events. Right. They were requiring testing for athletes, and everyone was so afraid. Could I lose Angler of the Year because I test positive for COVID and I cannot compete in an event? Fortunately, no one tested positive that week. We were able to do both New York events and get out of Dodge. Everything was unscathed there. But that worry was still there. What if I can't compete in an event because the state or the town says, you have a positive test. You can't do it. You have to quarantine. So we put that rule in place because COVID was still hot and heavy when the season was going to be starting that we made sure that there was some protection for the classic. It's such a sacred thing. If it happens to the angler of the year leader, that's tough. Um, angler of the year was unaffected rookie of the year unaffected and requalification for the elites unaffected by the points. Okay. The only thing affected by the COVID drop was the classic cut line. Okay. And so what that does is you take the lowest finish of the season, which would be for David Fritz, the event that he missed um, because of the St. John's river, you take that one and you drop it. And then you go eight events for your points race. And so we even saw Dale Hightower. He was at Pickwick with a zero right? because he had to be, because he had a heart attack, had that procedure, missed the event. That was his drop right? because everyone then got a drop after that. So, that's kind of hard to explain, and we don't want to put two different angle of the year standings out there to the public for them to try to interpret what they mean or look at that. Bassmaster likes the right standings better than the left, so they put this guy in instead of that guy. No, this right. is the sheer AOI number, so we know Seth Fighter is our angler of the year champion. Josh Strasner is our rookie of the year champion. Right. And if we put a COVID drop in there, those things may change, which they wouldn't affect awards. They only affect classic. And what's awesome, i like to inform you on this, other than the 42nd place that Taku punched, 41st and up were all the same. They weren't exactly the same in points position necessarily, but the 41 that made it in the Classic were the same 41, top 41, in the normal AOI standings. Okay. They made like 37th instead of 34th or 35th instead of 36th. But the top 41 made it. It wasn't like someone in the normal AOI standing somehow missed. Okay. We'll just say that. Okay. But the, right. the next deal is that John Cox situation comes in because he has seven events compared to everyone's eight events because you cannot drop a DQ. Okay. So he dropped his Neely event, which was 96th, and had to, had to hold on to a zero. That's why he was on the leaderboard as well at St. Lawrence. Everyone thought we were just – being petty and putting him at zero because we want to know he had to be on there because he registered for that event. Right. So Cox was Cox made the classic via Taku's win, punched his ticket there. (laughs) And he did it with seven events compared to everyone's eight events because he had a drop and a DQ. So that's why it was so tight for John Cox there. But on the normal AOI standings, he's well below the classic cut because on the normal AOI standings, he's got, eight events compared to everyone's nine, including a, an event where he got five points. Sure. Sure. All right. So Cox is in at 42. Yes. All right. So now who's, who's your bubble boy? Who's at 43 now? 
Ray Hanselman. Okay. He would be the next one in. And it's and it's incremental. So that's what's crazy is if you look at the angle of the year standings on the website, right below 41, where 41, 1 to 41 is unchanged. They're all normal. Like I said, they would have made the classic in a normal year. They would have made the classic in the COVID drop year. 42 to 47 is where it gets crazy because Cox obviously drops an event, had the DQ. So he moves up actually in the standings because he only drops five points. You know, we drop five points off his main total of 487. Sure. Gives him 482 compared to someone who drops maybe 20 points because their worst finish is an 81st, if that makes sense. Sure. So his finish was so bad, the drop helped him. Whereas some guys like Stetson, who actually tied John Cox for the last classic spot before Taku punched it. Uh, Blaylock was dropping a 77th, which was 24 points. So Blaylock was higher, dropped and lost more points and dropped down. Cox dropped a terrible event and moved up and they tied. Gotcha. But the tiebreaker went to Stetson. So that's to explain that. But just below that line, 42 to 47, those guys are all flip-flopped because it's only a point or two difference. And it's all based on how bad their worst finishes. So Ray Hanselman's the next one, and he was about a point or so behind John Cox in the in the drop list. Okay. So who's below who's below Ray? I know y'all want to know. Everybody wanna know. wants to know. We do want to know. Scott Martin is the one right there below. <laughs> but on the regular AOI list, they're flipped. It's Scott yes. and Ray. Okay. And it's and I wrote it down. I got 150 sheets at, at you know <laughs> at the office that I left there. But I think I think Ray's worst finish is 90th, and and Scott's was 87th. Okay. Which was surprisingly at Champlain, of course, when I picked him in fantasy the first time all year, a place he's won a million dollars on, and and he gets 87th. But because of that, Ray is dropping a 90th, which is only 11 points, and Scott is dropping a an 87th, which is 14 points, 14 points. which is why he would then drop below him just slightly because they earn the same amount of points all year, but that dropping that worst finish just made him flip by a point or so. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Now, what's the? I early got fired, so y'all better make room on this podcast if, if I get fired. <laughs> we got... I, I need we... salary and benefits from Chris Brown and Wait, <laughs> benefits we have none. Salary? No. I mean, I can get you fishing lures. That's about it, right, David? Maybe <laughs> sometimes, occasionally, right? Maybe some clothing. I can get you some better clothing. That's all I can do. Um, so, what's we got? What five opens left? Five open. So, what's the? I mean, what? Yeah. yeah, What's the feasibility that we come down this list to where Martin actually makes it? I'm not going to say it's not possible, um, but man, nowadays. So, four years ago, very, very possible. Sure. 2021, less likely because the people fishing the opens want to make the elite series. Sure. So they're going to fish them all. So even if they don't qualify, they're in it for the long run. You got the overall points race as well. You have the three opens divisions and the overall. So people who are out of it in 80th in the points will still fish the rest of them because they're trying to do the overall. So the odds are low, plus the guys fishing the opens, most of them, maybe a Patrick Walters is in there and other things, but most of the elite series anglers currently that are fishing opens would be ones below the classic cut line that are trying to make sure that they can get – kicked out of the elites and requalify in the same year like Chad Pipkins used to do it. He would he would realize he was going to get kicked out and the next open was the northern open was the next week after the elite season and he would punch his ticket via points there. Right. So there were some situations where guys could do it, but a lot of those guys fishing the opens are probably below the classic line and would help themselves and not help out Ray or Scott or Ravette or Hudnell, those guys just below. And those and Ravette and Hudnell are not behind Martin, but they're 
they're ones I remember that are close. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. So before we get to elite requalification, guys, what questions do you have for Ronnie on classic qualification? Keep it clean. <laughs> now, I think I think Ronnie came prepared. He knew you were, you were going to ask him that question. He made sure that he covered all bases so we wouldn't ask him anything. Well, well, I mean, I, I mean, I put it in my text. I said, "Dude, we got to know who's in, who's out. Give me the math because my head hurts. I didn't got time to do it, right?" So, and Ronnie's crying already right here. So he's, you know, but so all right. So no question. Like we we, we got class qualification now. We know who's in, who's out. We we know what that's all about. So we're good. Will there be a COVID drop for twenty twenty two? I hope not. Me too. Me too. So no, I don't. Think so with with New York. And other states that would test make you test negative to fish or compete or be there with those states lowering those requirements, um, there may not be a foreseeable problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Now, now there may be an angler that got COVID that has to be in the hospital that misses an event, but there would be no like legal have to do this to enter our state thing. There should not be any of that in 2022. Lord help us. I hope so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Return back to normal, you know? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So elite requalification. So this is like year three for pretty much all the leagues since all the crap happened three years what ago. Happened? Right. Well, I don't know. I've, things I've heard, happened? right. It's all, it's all, it's all hearsay. So, and so we, we know a lot of the here and there and if or not, and, and a lot of things change, and you and I texted about that too. So what are we looking at on elite requalification for 2022? I know we've talked about like, you know, I mean, we, we've seen the Chris Grow story. We've seen the social. We've seen things. Wh- where are we at with where? what's that cut line and what does that look like? So that's the toughest part of this season ending in mid-July is because we won't know who and there won't be an official list until the opens finish up in October. Sure. So that's the toughest waiting game. And to be honest, the public's like, we want a list. And they're banging their fist, like, tell us who's out. Sure. And I'm like, if they, if we say they're out and then in a month they're not out. Right. Then now all their sponsors and their life is different because now they're not going to get spot. Like, I, I, like for real, like, honestly, like if I could just send a video to all the fans that want to know, just explain like, these guys' lives would change forever because if, if companies knew you were only back in the elites because an opens guy declined an invite, then they won't spot. Why would they do that? Or even the guys who were like, here's the last five that barely made it in. Right. It, we're affecting their financial forever. Sure. Um, same reason why we never say what our entry fees are. The only way that y'all find out is because the anglers say it. We never do that because that's not anyone's business other than the people paying them. Sure. And so, because then companies get a hold of that number and they only pay people a certain amount because they know what they have to pay to fish or whatever. Sure. So that's beside the point, but uh, we were at a hundred or 101. We were supposed to be at 101, but Jesse Tacarante did not fish the first, the season because of his neck surgery, I believe. Right. Um, you know, and so that was worked out before the season. So we knew that was going to happen. But the deal is, is if you're taking in 12 or 13 anglers every year, 12 from the opens, one from the nation that you're bringing in, if we didn't cut anybody, which we, we normally cut people every other year, or we cut people every year and you have two years to fish. We've given everyone three years to fish, no cuts. We didn't make a cut last year after COVID. 
the season because we didn't feel like that was right. The anglers put up sure. with a lot to fish, so why cut them a month with the with the rest of the year left? Um, so this year, I think the number we said it on Bassmaster Live, and that's kind of my out right here. So if I say something wrong, like we, I'm going to say what I said on Bass Live. Sure. Uh, that 90, that, that 90, 93, you know, that somewhere low nineties okay. uh, will probably be what the field size ends up being. A lot of things are in there. There's medical hardships that have been taken that will come true. That won't come true. Right. You know, not all of them. It's not just a free pass back to the elites. It's, it's a way sometimes for a guy to say, Hey, I'm hurt. I can't continue. Um, but I'm not quitting. Right. And so then they stop, you know, you don't want to look, be seen as a quitter. And so they're not quitting. They just physically can't go on with a doctor's medical note and stuff. So we have medical exemptions. We are medical hardships. We have legends exemptions um, for the guys who may get cut that are legends. And then you've got the guys that we need to cut. So if we didn't cut anybody, we would be at like 113 or 114 next year if everyone came back and we added 13. So we want to get to that low 90s, which means you take 113 and you want to get down to 90. That's that's going to be. 23 people sure uh, roughly 20 to 23 that number is fluid people can still retire as well that's the thing we're not used to retirements in bass fishing because rick Lund set the tone of i'm not going to retire ever and every other angler that's been up there in age is just like i'm going to go till rick Lund goes and it's sure. like, well that can, he could be a hundred we'll yeah he'll fish forever come so. off on day three you know even even if he can't you know and so i, I think that that's probably going to be around there it's going to be you want to, you were, there may be like twice as many getting cut that we bring in or around that. Um, and that's tough. It's hard. I got upset watching Chris Groh's video and practice because they're all great dudes. Sure. They're so great. Oh, absolutely. Man, they've, they've risked it all in 20, uh, 2019 to be a part of the elite series when to be frank, every single person in the industry counted us out and I'm not going to go on some soapbox there and get emotional there, but it was nobody thought anything of the Bassmaster Elite Series. Even AOI winners from that year that they left didn't think anything about it. Sure. And um, and to see how the anglers have shown that not there's not 100 anglers in the world that can catch their butts. That these guys who came in that people might not know they can freaking catch them, and sure. they did. And they had the last three years. So even if they're getting cut. And even if they finished in the 90s every season in AOI since they've joined, they were a part of the reason that Bassmaster is still as strong as it's ever been, maybe even stronger now. And so we appreciate that. I just – I get upset about it because they're all brothers. I text them when they get off the stage, love you, brother. Sure. And they're like, love you, man. It's just tough because it is – you feel like you can perform. Sure. And then you, it's, it's just you get punched in the nose every day. And a lot of people would do that. I would get my teeth knocked out. Oh, I'd yeah. still keep going though, you know, and try. And, and so that's tough. So is this on a, on a two year average, three year average that we're looking at this, this list, or is this off of AOI this year? So I believe we said this on Bass Live as well. And I'm not saying that. Oh no, be, we get to it. Like, you go watch it. But like, I believe that um, it's a three year average and, but it's also a two year average. Okay. If you've only been on the elites two years, it's your two-year average. Okay. If you've been on the elites three years, it's your three-year average. If you've been on the elites for more than for five or more years, which would be the originals, which would be guys that were on the elites before the the, the breakup, 
they get to drop their worst year of the last three seasons and average their best two. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. So it's a three-year average for, for most. It's a two-year average for some. And it's a two-year average for those who have been here for a long time. And so that's why a couple guys like Chris Groh, Carl Jockamson, guys who were talking about that even at the Sabine River um, early in the season, it was on their mind because some of those guys have a two-year average and they could not catch them all season, catch them in the last two events and help their AOI. You think about it, if you're 60th in points in AOI and you move up to 58th, you just moved up one full point for your average. Sure. Whereas a guy who, um, I think that math works out. Yeah, if you move two spots for a two-year average, your average, your average gets pulled up by one number. Whereas a guy that's got a three-year average would need to move up three spots in AOI to make it you know, a, a one average. So some guys who had fished three years, it was a harder for them to make up that ground late in the season. Some guys who fished two, like Brian Schmidt, was crushed it at the end of the year. They went from being – you know, whatever their AOI average was to like, they're not even close. They're in, they're in left field now sure. on the positive. Um, sure. And some guys were up inside and with a two year average, didn't catch them and were, was able to drop like a rock because they lose it or gain it much quicker. Sure. Sure. Okay. Kenneth. Well, first off, you know, it, it is sad to see some of these guys get cut and, but at the same time, if it's truly going to be the elite series, which the three of us feel that it really is. Yes. And of course I know how you feel about that, but we truly feel that way and always have, um, you know, it's just, it just has to happen. You kind of have to have guys flow out new guys come in, guys need to get their chance. You know, there is a way to get back in. So if the guys get cut, they won't back in. It's not an easy road. Um, but there is a way to get back in. So, um, you know, like you said, as, as, as hard as it is to see these guys go out, you know, it is something that's needed going forward in order to keep the elite series, the true elite series. The next thing I'll say is the other thing that, that will help you keep it. The elite series is to continue to go by your rules. When you set rules and go by them, stick to them. Don't change them. Yeah. And your, your anglers are going to appreciate this as well. If this is truly a career move for them, knowing what, the rules are ahead of time and that they're stuck to and that that's the way everybody's playing with it helps them develop their career otherwise it's nearly impossible to have a career with it so yeah you don't and, want to put goal posts at all yeah i totally yes. um but i the other question i had is uh I'm, I'm curious how the medical uh exemptions or these guys that had to to stop early because they couldn't continue on how does that affect their points? Did it freeze at that point? Or, it, I mean, is this a kind of a variable thing of how that's going to be looked at? I think the ones that happen before the season starts um, are more – it's hard. It's hard. I'm not in those meetings. Um, are more sure thing than ones that would be mid-season where you could be on the cutting block and, and go to get cut and – you take one and if, if it saves you and you don't get cut, then all the, like you said, the rules, the elite series anglers might be like, well, shoot, if I'm ever having a bad year, I'm just gonna be like, Oh, my elbow hurts. Right. I'm out or all oh, my knee. And that's not what any of our anglers done. They've had major surgeries and, and they, or they've been going to the doctor in between events just to continue to go. But when it comes to the requalification and the points aspect, 
I feel like um, the ones that happened before the season are perfectly timed for that angler. Probably it's like good thing. I, I did found out about it now. Uh, whereas mid season, their points don't freeze uh, necessarily. But I think that if you're, if you're in when that happens, then, then you're probably fine. But if you're out when that happens, you're probably not, but you got to do it. You, you know, you gotta, it's your decision, but those meetings happen over and over and where, Hey, I think I'm t- going to take a medical hardship and you tell the tournament staff and they want to talk to your doctor and the doctor provides a note explaining it. And you go through it back and forth and every discussion is going to be different, but along the same parameters, we need you to check this box and that box. We need to go through this and that and make sure. And, um, and, and they got to vet it that way. And so it's hard. I ask the same question because I'm not in those meetings, but that's even worse to, to feel like you cut an angler that just couldn't physically com- go on, you know, but, or, or an angler that it's iffy, if he could have fished the year, some people think he could, some people could think he couldn't. And then he gets to sit out the whole year and he's safe from a cut, but it's not like it goes away. They might, they're going to be up at risk for a cut the next year. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You well, better catch them next year. You know, it's, you know, everybody realizes football and other sports are, you know, they're, they're difficult to get through the season. Guys get hurt, but, you know, fishing's no different. I mean, you're talking about running in the rough water at St. Lawrence. I mean, that, oh. that takes a toll on your body, especially if you've done that, you know, for years and years at a time. Uh, it's not an easy thing to get through an elite series. My left elbow, when I go fishing, I don't go fishing, but every other month now, because we have so many events on the weekends, my left elbow after uh, a top water or a frog or, you know, a swim jig doing the Alabama shake. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to wind it today. I can't shake that sucker. You know, whatever <laughs> it's my elbow. It kills me. I'm like, you know what? I don't like a jerk bait to begin with. So no, I'm not going to break my arm off today. And I'm 28. So I totally get it on some of those things. When, when guys do it, it's incredible. And that's like Chris Johnston at, at Galu Island on Sunday. It was so rough and he knows rough water better than anyone. And he couldn't stand he couldn't stand and fit and he had to go. So just imagine the beating it takes to get there. Like you said, and get out and even stand there. You can have professional athletes who could sit there and run on a blade of grass, 15 yards down the field before they're going out of bounds to stay in bounds. They got that balance. And on the front deck of the boat, they'd be drowned in four seconds because they would have been out of the boat under the trolling motor and sure. gasping for air. It's incredible. Yeah. 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 It's like they're, a bull truly, they're truly athletes. And, and, and I love when people want to say, they're not. And I'm like, Oh, you're a great basketball player. Let's go fishing. And they're like sitting down eating a sandwich at 9am. And I'm like, bro, I ain't even like, I ain't even burned off my bottle of water this morning yet. You ain't even ready. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole different, yep. uh, whole different deal. They're definitely athletes. That's for sure. So David, you've been quiet tonight. What's, uh, what's stirring around that, uh, that head of yours? Well, I don't want to take it away from like my, my question was going to see, you know, who's going to take it away from our topic but i was gonna say like there was rumors or something about the 22 2022 schedule being announced either this week or soon so that's how i was gonna go with my question so i don't know if you Great have anything question, that you can not, not when i mean not saying where but like when we might hear news no i want to know i want to know david no, we, we got him we got to know where it's gonna be nobody else is listening nobody your, it's just us girls paper out right now get your pad of paper david if you ask it get get ready i'm gonna tell you date by date you ready let me pull it up 
<laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you date He's by not date. Tell squat. <laughs> but to be honest, it doesn't matter if I tell you date by date because the same people that will look for our schedule and change their schedule, they're going to do it whether we announce it next week at November. It doesn't matter. That's documented. So I, I will say that this year, which is hilarious, I had a wife. I'm going to call her out. Lindsay Blaylock. Sweating <laughs> over Stetson making the classic. They live down the street from me and Sarah. Sweating about him making the classic. He makes the classic. I, I calm the fears there and I confirm it with points that I've ran. <laughs> and then literally yesterday I got home from live and she says, when's the schedule coming out? I said, give it four hours. Like it hasn't even been four hours. Sure. Since the season. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I, I love how we, we end the season in November and we announce the schedule in December and we, we end the season in July and we've never announced the schedule this early. And everyone's like, you must have it done. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, but I, I would assume soon, at least okay. uh, parts, you know, pieces and parts. Um, pieces and no parts. point in rushing it. Like I said, no point in rushing the full schedule because as soon as it comes out, everybody else's schedule is going to change too. And I'm not even going to tiptoe around that crap. <laughs> David, they're going to give us the date, like the day, right? Like it'll be the 20th through the 24th, not tell you the month and tell you it's going to be on fork. That's all they're going to tell you, right? You got you got you got twelve options. Twenty through the twenty fourth of, of, of a month, maybe on fork, but maybe could be Rayburn. We're not sure. It'll be in Texas. How's that? Close. We're gonna we're gonna do what we're gonna do is we're gonna have we're hoping everyone has those manifest those callings as as the show manifest has, and you see your tombstone with the date. Maybe you'll see like the a death date. date? Are you giving us a death? A death date deal? Are you kidding me right now, Ronnie Moore? Yeah. No, it's it's the it's the Lake Fort date or it's the St. Lawrence date or you know, whatever the the Gulf of Mexico date. It's you just gotta get one. Dude, my wife listen, listen, this is show, this is dude. this is really weird. My wife binged manifest all weekend. So I saw it all, right? I've seen all the callings. <laughs> I'm all the way up to the end. I'm almost I got like ten episodes. I'm I'm literally concerned about getting on a plane to go to Orlando tomorrow. I really am. I if if it's if it's a storm in the air, I'm out. I'm driving. David, I'll be there late. So just 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 <laughs> FYI. So if the but flight number is two eight two, I'm out. So you'll land in Jamaica five years in the past, not in the future. That's what it's gonna do to you though. If it well, you know what? I was better looking five years ago. Maybe that maybe <laughs> maybe that'll help. So Guys, anything else for uh, for Ronnie Moore? We have totally taken away his time with Sarah tonight. Um, I know it's his off day, but uh, anything else for our brother, our brother Ronnie Moore? Yes, sir. No, he he came in fully prepared. Oh, he always does. <laughs> David, what you got? So I'm, and I, I, you know, so obviously I'm from the Milwaukee area. And tomorrow, you know, like, as we record this, tomorrow's Tuesday, Game Six. Right. Who do you? I mean, I, I'm, I'm 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 hoping my home team takes it, but do you really think that? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're a Phoenix guy, so I'm assuming you're rooting for Phoenix to make it a Game 7 tomorrow. See, I, I think it's going to go Game 7 it's because these teams are so dominant, but they're catching each other at their weakest point where it's like, you win two, we'll win three, we'll win one, we'll just do it a one. Uh, I think it, it deserve, this season deserves to go to a Game 7. Um, but I will say, I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. I got a, a lot of weird fandoms but they all stem back to when i was in high school so i uh i used to be a suns fan a long time ago as well i've got the jersey in the closet and everything but uh i love basketball man if i didn't do fishing i would try to do play by player stats for basketball i love it so much and and speaking of stats i don't want to segue too bad but I, I thought of this today and i saw it uh fighter 
I know you guys probably talked about it more, how dominant his season was. Looking at last year and this year, very similar point structures. It, it you know, first is a hundred right. and you know, that's no other point seasons. Like when Aaron won in 2015 and won by a hundred plus points in AOI, there was 113 anglers. So first got 113. So if we look at that, he got 226 from his two wins that season. And he got, he got 112 from a second. So that's how helps you, you know, gain a lot of points, but looking at an apples to apples last year to this year, First, second, and third would have walked away with AOI by over 28 points. Polinick finished third and would have been 28 points ahead of Clark Winlet's AOI season last year. Wow. And then uh, Fighter would have won by 107 points over Winlet. Yeah, apples to apples those seasons. Look at Patrick Walters. He finished third last year with 669 points, and he only lost AOI by 11. So 669, and he <laughs> lost by 11. This year, he finished fourth in AOI, had 668, and lost by 119. Wow. Incredible. And Fighter ended up with a 13, you know, 13th place average for his nine elites, nine elite events. Um, one of the best performing AOI winners in the classic that we've seen. Most of the time, the AOI winner has not done well in the classic. We saw that. Uh, Canterbury didn't do well at Gunnersville. Right. Um, you know, Winlet didn't do great at, at the classic this year. We'll see about next year for fighter, but he did make the top 25 this year. Didn't miss a cut. The last time that someone didn't miss a cut and one AOI was swindle in 16. Mm-hmm. And he had a 40th was his worst. And it was incredible. So hats off to fighter. I will say I tweeted about it at the St. John's when it ended, I said, fighter struggles in Florida. He got third I said, here's the here's how his AOI has listed out or has, has mapped out all of his career, but he's never had a good finish in Florida. Now that he's third, watch out for him the rest of the year. So I want to say I called that, and I want to say I did indeed first day of the season, Josh Straysner. I've got it. I've got the screenshot of the preseason story <laughs> prediction. And you called so it? I, I did. I called rookie of the year and it took to the last day of the season, but he got it done for me. I, I look smart now. You know, you, well, bud, you are smart. We know that. I mean, the, the screen of knowledge and everything else. Plus, you put up with Tommy and Zona and all those guys. So you, you're definitely I way ahead of us. I'm smart if I did that, though. But the, um, it, it's, it's crazy to me. We know mathematician wise, guys having to call and the things they do. But Neil Paul, our buddy from Visit Anderson over at Hartwell, told me a story. He marshaled for fighter day three at Gunnersville. Okay. Made the cut, marshaled a fighter. And before blast off, fighter made the comment. He says, I've got to catch him today. I'm at risk of losing 35 AOI points. And he knew. He knew where he was and what he had to do. And, I mean, it's it's this guy stay on top of it. They have to, obviously. Day three is the most valuable day of every Elite Series event. And I say that because if you can make the top 45, top 50, whatever it is, you're golden. You can't drop below that. Right. But, boy, if you are 45th and you sneak in, the chance for you to move up 10 spots and gain 10 points that half the field can't get – uh, you can gain extra positions there. You can jump from 25th and make 10th, and then you're boom. And then just like we saw uh, Chris Grow, you know, at St. Lawrence with 10th place, he had nothing to do but go up. And so right. if he moves up eight, that's two points that you can't get anywhere else. And I will say this. I told John Cox I would. I said, John, if you miss the Classic officially, I'm going to silence every single person who says it's because you got DQ'd at the St. Lawrence. <laughs> and it's because – 
Remember, he left day three at Gunnersville to go fish in Florida, day one of another event, and he dropped five to seven points. I can't remember exactly what it is, but he dropped from the 40, you know, 40 something to to the last spot in the cut and lost five or six points. And I said, buddy, I just want you to know, I'm going to text you this so that if you see it on social, I'm not just hating. I'm just letting people know that you gave up a chance to fish on a day three at an elite. And that's when you gain and lose points and you lost five points. And if you miss out by a point or two, that ain't on the St. Lawrence, buddy. That's on you at Gunnersville. Wow. Wow. And so that's something we didn't talk about. There were a lot of exemptions made and, and, things positively this season but people only want to look at the dq i love john uh it's amazing what he did this season but it's very difficult to balance that going forward who knows how that's going to work out that's why i talked about the schedule the way i did with doesn't matter when we announce it oh it doesn't the dates will match up we could have we could uh, we could a lot 12 12 events in a whole season and we're gonna have 12 on top of 12 on top of 12 somehow so (laughs) but it's, it's all good more power to him it's incredible but it also speaks volumes to how good his seven events were other than his bomb at Neely and not fishing St. Lawrence, how good they were that he could make the classic with seven compared to everyone's eight. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, brother, thanks so much for your time tonight. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your six months of busy work. And uh, can't wait to see you guys back on the year for uh, Bass Live, I guess, in 2022. So No, no. No, it's at the Opens, don't we? The final day of the Opens will be on Fox Sports 1. The We'll actually have a Redfish event on Fox sports one that we're doing. And then we also have, uh, I believe it's announced if it's not, it is now going to drop it. Uh, I believe the college bracket will be on Fox sports one as well. Sweet. That'd be That'd awesome. Be cool. So we got, we got another six or seven days, but we do have, I just don't call me in the month of August. I'm going to be, I'm going to be hanging out in August because September, October, November is going to be busy again. So not a problem, brother, not a problem at all. Thanks so much, bud. Take care. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. See y'all. See you, buddy. Appreciate it. Well, guys, there he is, Ronnie Moore. Did you learn something tonight? Now, see, Chris, I got to give you props for this. Because you you started asking questions. You know, we weren't real sure about the answers. You just said, hey, forget about it. We'll get Ronnie on. He'll clear it up. No use in us racking our brains trying to figure out what's going on. My head hurts. You do it all out there. Right. Right. You have to. So, my, my, kudos to you for making that decision. Well, thank you. I, I tried, you know, and, and I, you know, we had Josh Strachner and Brandon Perkins lined up and um, got, I called him. I said, guys, we've got, we, we've got a conflict. I, I apologize. I've got an issue. Uh, we need to move it to next Tuesday. And they're both like, not a problem. We get it. So we'll have those guys on, on next week's episode and talk to them. But I wanted to go ahead and clear the air for this because if not – David and I and you, we're all going to be having this big text message, and David and I will be together, and we'll be racking our brains and doing the math this week at ICAST. And it's just, let's just go ahead and clear the air, because otherwise, you know, all the all the MLFers, which I will say that was the best quote today via text, Kenneth Grover, when you said John Cox is one lucky MLFer. You're right, he is, right? Back in the classic, right? So it's like, it was confusing to me, so it's like we got to get Ronnie on talk about it, and let's let's have this conversation because otherwise it's just going to be you know a free for all. And you know, kudos to him for not saying, "Hey, you know what we're going to do." We had a text earlier he and I did about what we thought was going to be qualification for the elites for next year. A lot of numbers being thrown around for that. So, 
Well, you, you know, we, we talked about John Cox last week. We did. And we all assumed there was no way he could make the Classic. But we had forgotten the fact that they could drop a tournament. Right. Right. So, and that's really the only thing to help him. It is. And, you know, there's been a lot of changes, obviously, with COVID and a COVID drop and, and the different different deals and averages and everything else. Um, so, you know, a lot of speculation going around, and I just wanted to clear the air. I wanted to see what, you yeah. know, what the truth was so we wouldn't know because I know and, I, I and, got a lot of math left to do still, guys. So Yeah, and that drop was determined at the beginning of the season. It wasn't kind of, you know, thrown in there late to kind this of is, manipulate anything. This is nothing, that was a decision made early. Yeah, this is nothing like other leagues. This, is, this was a deal that was done, like he said, back in the fall. So it was it was predetermined. We're not going to make it up as we go along. And um, if you think I'm hating on other leagues, I am. Uh, but I'm also too. We also had some conversations about bass amongst the three of us that were not pleasant. So you know they had some stuff that that were talked about that we we weren't crazy about. So you know we're uh, we're a fan of uh, of fishing first first and foremost. And um, if Bass ranks a little higher than the others for me, then that's just my opinion. You're you're welcome to yours, which I'd love to hear your opinions on this via the X-Zone hotline. Like that segue, David, the X-Zone hotline brought to you by X-Zone Lures. Uh, Find out why Brandon Polinick, Carl Jackson, and more rely on X-Zone to catch them every day. Find out more at xzonelures.com, 256-535-3217. I want to know your opinions. I know there's some out there. Burl, I know you got an opinion. Matt, I know you got one too. Let me know your thoughts. Take a quick little break. We come right back. We'll um, we'll finish it up. We'll get up. We'll get out of your way here real quick on the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Hey Jason, what would you say your biggest fear is when you're out fishing? Hmm, Chris, um, let me see. Probably stranded out in the middle of the lake. That's right. You know, that's everybody's biggest fear, Jason. Not being able to get back to the ramp, especially in time for weigh-in during tournaments. But one thing that's really made the biggest difference for me, and that's switching to lithium batteries. And not just any lithium batteries, but rely on lithium batteries. Oh, Chris, how do you like those? Jason, they're great. Let me tell you, they allow me to spend more time on the water and are essential when it comes to starting and running my boat. They give me short charge times and more usable capacity, so I don't have any late-day voltage sags. Plus, they're stupid lightweight compared to lead acid, and they're practically maintenance-free. Really allows me to focus on my fishing instead of worrying about getting back to the ramp. Okay, okay, you talked me into it. Where can I get some Relyon batteries? Jason, you can visit relyonbattery.com slash anglerschannel and use our special promo code code anglers channel for 10% off your purchase did I mention they also offer fast and free shipping you didn't but even better so hey what are you waiting for get hooked on rely on lithium today with so many exclusive designs and processes no other boat is built like ranger it's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features more performance and the best value the ranger fisherman series from bow to stern this is results based engineering at its best still building legends one at a time at mercury there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either unlimited adrenaline unlimited fun unlimited weekend 
except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. Welcome back, folks. Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Um, so brought to you by our friends at Pro Charging Systems. The future of marine charging is here. If you've got through all that and you're still looking for a new battery charger, find out more. Uh, go to dualpro.com. Use the code ANGLER and you get 25% off your purchase. 25% off a brand new dual power uh, Pro Charger or a maybe a professional four-bank charger, whatever you're looking for, 25% off with the code ANGLER. Good till August 15th, so get your uh, get your orders placed now. That way you are set to go for the rest of the summer. All right, uh, we'll do some you pick here in just a minute. Uh, we, like I said earlier, we do have ICAST coming up this week. Uh, fantasy, um, I didn't do this last week, so I meant to. Bassin Boy 3. Uh, a Grefsrud, sorry, I don't, I can't, I tried to pronounce it, it's not good. Bassin Boy 3, look for an email from me, you won Champlain. And then Hook, I can't even read my own handwriting, K, TK Dorset 2, K Dorset, you were the winner of the St. Lawrence event, look for an email from me or a message here from me shortly as well. And then a big congratulations to, let me read the name, I've witnessed a howler. That's what his, uh, his actual name is on here. B. Wiles, um, 11,316 points that he amassed on the Angler's Channel group to uh, to win it, to win Angler of the Year for that. So maybe we can steal some stuff this week at ICAST, David, to make a, like, like a cool little goodie bag for him. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. So look for an email from me there, and uh, we'll get you fixed up. I ranked 1,996. I sucked, basically, is what I did. So um, yay for me. But I did have a good a good finish at uh, a St. Lawrence River. That was probably my my second my third best finish of the of the year was right there. So I'll take that. But uh, and win. So. Very cool deal. Um, let's see. What, how how you guys been? What y'all been up to? Oh, not much. You sell a boat? Trying to. Boat, oh, boatless, yeah. boatless bank trash now? Yes. Good. Good. But I hear, I hear you got one coming. Another one coming. I have seen pictures of it from the plant, so I know it's, it's put together. So I'm not really sure when it's going to make it to North Alabama. Could be any day now. Okay. Great. Which color was the one that was yours? I mean, you sent us two pictures of the orange one. If it was that first one, I, I I'm not would. riding with you. Take, take your get. I mean, I, I bet you would. <laughs> I probably would because I ain't got well. I'm boatless bang trash right now too. At least till the middle of August, maybe maybe first September. I don't know. So well, you know, I, when I, that first picture when I looked at, it, I thought, is that photoshopped? But I I think it's legit. I will say it's this: different. boat companies. Boat companies build some beautiful boats. They do. And it's not their fault. It's the people that order the boats. But they also build some ugly boats. Just going to be honest with you. There's some boats out there that are ugly. But it's not their fault. They weren't uh, – it, it wasn't their deal. It was a whole different thing. So, it Well, was when, a, when you're a manufacturer that's willing to let your customer custom order their colors – 
Yeah. It can be anything. No, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And it was, uh, wow, there's some ugly ones out there. That's for sure. So, David, uh, let's step into the Sportsman's Warehouse Bass Wrap-Up real quick. I mean, we've had a, per- a really good show. I don't want to ruin it with, uh, with a bunch of other nonsense. So, uh, let's do some Bass Wrap-Up here real fast. And then I've got one little quick story for you guys, and then we'll, uh, we'll let you guys get back on the water. So, David, we know Taku won the Elite. Um, man, what a, what a badass tournament that was. It definitely was. I mean, I, I didn't like you, but I kind of heard a little bit of like the coverage over the last few days. But even yesterday when he said he pulled up to his spot and he said like he thought something wrong with this sonar because right. like like he, he thought it was like off. But then he's like like that the, literally the gusts out of if they're suspended or they were just really that stacked up. But, you know, he was like, wow, there's actually like a big old fat school of them right on the bottom there so i mean that was just i mean i've, I've never experienced it but i'm mean, just to experience that and to catch i mean i don't, I don't know how many fish he caught uh, on bass track but to catch at least to weigh in 26 pounds with i think a six pounder to kick as a kicker i mean that's just yeah i just kenneth i just want to look in the bag that's all i wanted to do was just <laughs> look in the ba- that bag was as big as lisa talmage uh you, i just you, you, you needed your camera, like you set up for ABT, that sits over the stage. That would have been awesome with you know, 26 pounds worth of smallmouth. I mean, it's it's one th- when you open a bag of largemouth, right? I mean, it's impressive. When you've got, if you've got, you know, 20, 25 pounds of large, you, you're in the bag and you're like, man, that's a bag of meat. But there's something about smallmouth. When you open a bag of 20-pound or 25-pound smallmouth, you're like, my God. It's like gold, brother. I mean, it is incredible. A bag full of tigers. That's it. That's, that's that's a great that's a great answer. So, well, the thing is, what they're I think his bag they were almost a like cookie cutter. Like they were almost all exactly the same. Like very that you know. So it's like when you look and you're just like, it's not like, okay. Well, we got two or three big ones, and then you know a few small ones, or vice versa. It's dude, they're all pretty much four like four or five pound fish, and you're just looking at like, what am I looking at? This is just, yeah, it's pretty. I I heard the conversation when when the camera guy was was asking him about you know what do you think you have and he said you know ah uh, twenty two maybe twenty three and he's like not that you got twenty six and he laughed and I'm thinking dude I you know Atkins made the comment that his scales are a little light right and um, and so. I was I was pulling for Justin just because he lives close to us, Kenneth. You know, and and you know it was a way to get in that classic, and he he made a big move coming to Bass this year or qualifying. So I was pulling for him, but I mean you can't not you can't root against Taku, right? But I mean I'm looking at it and it's like, dude, if I got 26 pounds smallmouth, I know I got 20. I, I know what I got. You know I'm I'm you know I I think I do right. I'm 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 weighing them or looking at them or something, but I'm thinking, God, that's you know. That's a big difference in 22 to 26. <laughs> well, but here's the thing about those smallmouth. You know, they only get so long. They stop growing in length and they get they get thick. That's sure. why they get hard to judge. It's, it's kind of hard to judge how thick they are. Right. It, it, you know, largemouth, you know, obviously the longer it is, typically the bigger it is. It's sure. a little bit easier. Those smallmouth, though, they just start, you know, it's like an inflated football. It's, <laughs> it makes them harder to judge. David Mullins had a had one that was five something I think on day two or day three, and I watched him scoop it up out of the water, and he ran to the front deck, and I thought he was going to break loose for a touchdown. 
I mean, it. He he was literally holding a football. It's and it's it's really impressive with a guy like Polinick, and I'm sure Taku because Taku is little too. But a guy like Polinick that's little, you know, imagine putting a six pounder, six pound smallmouth in 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 David's hands, Kenneth. I mean, that's you know, that's that's a look like an eight pounder. It really would, right? It really would. It'd swallow his head. So it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So all right, dude, what we got? <clears throat> All right, so next up, uh, the other, uh, I guess, upper two league that was fishing this past weekend and was, uh, what was it, our previous guest was the, uh, from last week, Mr. Duncan was the color commentator for the NPFL was fishing in your guys' neck of the woods on Pick or Pigwick Lake. And uh, with a, I mean, he won it with a pretty good gap too, but Brandon Perkins with 55-11 won that event. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch much of that um, this past week, but uh, I did tune in for a little here or there. Going back, though, Mike Davenport won the Elitesters in St. Lawrence, the you pick on weight, with an 89.5. He grabbed the point for that. And Kenneth had 82.10 to win the, the AC point. Now, for the NPFL, Jim Benz had 54.4 for the pick. Um, me won it with 55-10, so she grabbed a point there for that one. Did 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 Pigwick live up to its name, Kenneth, for you? I think there was one angler that could have called it Pigwick. Okay. I, I, I didn't – well, I say I didn't see what Perkins brought in, I, I, but there was another – I can't think of the guy's name. I started – I know his last name started with an S, Schilling or something like that. Okay. He caught like 20 pounds and – couple of minutes the second day and i think he started off with a five pounder the third day and then it kind of went downhill from there but it's it's kind of like what luke said you know it's the time of year they you know these fish get they've been beat up a lot of these off offshore schools were kind of hard to catch guys were seeing them they knew they were there getting them to bite was a different story uh you know obviously that, that second day he pulled up at the right time and and caught you know the right kind of fish back to back to back kind of deal but that didn't happen very often. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I, you know, I was expecting a, a tight tournament, and it was. And so um, I said, you know, Brandon did pull away there at the end. But you know, that's a lake too, though. That this time of year, it's 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 a little difficult because, I mean, those schools they get burned pretty quick, and they know what's happening. And so, and I think the other thing that too is we've had pretty consistent current. You know, not strong current, but just consistent current. Sure. And really, this time of year, what you want is you want to go from no current to a lot of current. Right. And if it would have been more of that scenario, then at those times when it went from none to a lot, the, the bite would have been a lot better for a short period of time. Sure. Sure. For sure. So, all right, David, moving on to the Toyota on Champlain. Yep. So, again, that was a three-day event, and – but the winning weight there was 6103, and that event was won by Stephen Estes. Stephen Estes, 6103. How would you like to be the, the, the group that goes up the week after the elites leave Champlain and they have busted up every fish? I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Stephen Estes, 6103 for the win they still there. They caught them well, though. Huh? They caught them well, though. They Those did. were good weights. Oh, they really did. John Cunningham won that one with 60 pounds, 12 ounces for his guess for a point. And I grabbed a point for our little group for uh, with a 60-pound even on uh, on my guess. So I'll take that one for the for for the for the lead right now. So all right, David. 
All right, next up is the BFL event on the Mississippi River by the by lacrosse. And I, don't know, I guess it was a lot tougher. I don't know, uh, unless the fish are just lighter this time of year on there. But uh, with 10 14, well, it was three fish, 10 14 for three fish. <laughs> Corey Cranky won that event there. Yeah, Corey Cranky 10 14. And um, really, the only guy outside of the besides me and Kenneth that realized that was Joe Opeger. Joe Opeger had 10 12 for the uh, to win that one, uh, to win that point, and Kenneth had 10 08 to uh, to win that point. So Kenneth uh, moves back up into a tie with me this week. So we'll come from behind there. Although I will say this, Kenneth, I will say this I received two entries from you this week. So, oh, yeah, how'd that happen? I don't know, but I got it twice, and both of them were different. So when really? they're different, I take the first one that comes in, whether you like it or not. So you well, just was the got second like one better. It. So, huh? Was the second one better? No, because I, I actually checked them both out, and either way, you won two points. I just weren't all in the same. They weren't all the right tournaments. But no, it was. Uh, I you, you always take. I have to take the first one that comes through on that one. So well, that so far it sounds like the one that I remember doing. Yeah, yeah, it was the first one that came through. So, all right, brother, last one, Pride of the South. What do you got? That one I don't have. I didn't sit through the weigh-in video until I get the weigh I didn't either, one. but I did send a message to the uh, tournament director, and uh, I really appreciate him for getting back to me on that. Carpenter and Roswell Jr. Uh, with 15.07 down on the Mobile Delta at a live oak landing. Uh, 15.07 for those guys. Billy... Grosjean, sorry, Billy, with a 14.75, grabbed the point uh, in the U Pick'em. And then David with a 13.95, grabs the point in the AC U Pick'em. So everybody got a point. Kenneth got two on that one. So you were over, Kenneth. And and uh, if I remember it right, you were over. You must have, both. You, you're using the wrong one then. No, I don't think so. If I, I'd, I'd go back and look, but uh, either way. David got the point on that one. So uh, a little rundown, Mike Davenport, Jim Benz, John Cunningham, Joe Opaker, and Billy Grosjean all with a point this week. Um, and Brandon Blakemore, I think, is still uh, still leading uh, with two points from the two previous weeks. So uh, in our little you pick them here, Kenneth and I are tied with four apiece, and then David and Michelle were tied at two apiece right below us. So... Uh, for that, so there's your uh, there's your bass, uh, your Sportsman's Warehouse bass wrap up for your you pick them. Brought to you by Unarmed Apparel, makers of ISO Chill. Stay cool and comfortable and on the water longer this summer with Under Armour ISO Chill or more uafish.com. Coming up this week, we've got the BFL Buckeye on Mosquito Lake. It's a one day deal, pounds and ounces. You got the ABA Open Series, which I'm still looking for the Thousand Islands uh, uh, results. I'm, I'm sure they're there by now. ABA Open Series on Old Hickory. That's a one day deal. New Jersey Bass Federation on Hoppet Kong. I hope I said that right. Uh, that's a one day deal. Collins Bass for Cash on Falls Lake. And of course, the Bass Kayak Tournament, Bass Station Kayak on Pickwick. One-day deal, that's in inches. Don't forget to put them in inches for the last tournament. Make sure you're reading, uh, you're reading the deal there, please. That would, be, uh, that, would be, that would be big. So, All right, so one last little story before we get out of here and let you guys enjoy your week full of ICAST new product reviews and 
everything else. Speaking of which, if there's anything you want David to go look at and talk about on uh, Angler's Channel Social this week, shoot him an email, djong, D-X-I-O-N-G, at anglerschannel.com. He will go find whatever you want him to look at and uh, report back to you on it, right? Live via social media, or maybe not live, but through social media, he'll do that. It could be live. It could be. You're right. Depends on what it is. If she's cute, it could be really live. So um, we get back to you via the Angler's Channel socials and, of course, anglerschannel.com. But, you know, we preach every week about, well, some weeks more than others, about PFDs and kill switches, right? Especially in bass boats. And uh, we spent a few days on Tim's Ford Lake uh, where we take our, our, our Mastercraft. I've got a 2008 Mastercraft that, that we take out. And my wife and I have some friends that we enjoy from time to time on the weekends. And so it took a couple of days. My wife had a couple of days off this past week. And we went up to, uh, to Tim's Ford and put it in a, we rented a house in Estill Springs. And we actually, um, you know, used a ramp that we're not used to using. Uh, which was fine. It wasn't a big deal. Um, I had my I had my Lake Master map with me of the lake, so I knew where I was and what I was doing on my iPad, so I could see where to go and where the channel was to get out because it was up the Elk River is where it was. Anyway, so we put in a little place called Rock Creek uh, boat ramp up there, and we ran down the lake good ways and uh, did our thing and and uh, had a really good day. This was on Thursday, I believe Thursday or Friday. And had a really good day and enjoyed ourselves, relaxed a little bit, did some work. And um, my wife and I have a routine. You always have a routine, right? Everybody's got a routine. Uh, I've got a routine in my bass boat, what I do. i got a routine with my big boat. And rarely do I put the big boat in the water without my wife because we usually, we usually only use it when we're together. And so the, the launching routine is pretty easy. I get in the boat. I get the bimini up. I put the plug in it because it's in the bottom of the boat, not in the back. And it's, you know, a few things you got to do internally. You get things put away and get it power put on, turn on everything else. Then she gets in the boat and I back her in the water. And then uh, once it starts, because there's no trolling motor, once it starts, you know, you undo the front strap and, and, and get her on her way. And then she'll come back to the dock and pick me up. And then as we're idling out, we'll change drivers or whatever, and then I'll drive. Well, same thing coming in. I'll go get the truck. Um, she'll load the boat, and uh, and we're good to go. Well, in in any situation, usually we as we're coming in um, at any other boat ramp that we use, and and I, I say we don't wear the PFD, you know, while we're while we're running this boat because we're only running. 20 24 miles an hour i'm down in a seat in behind a, a windshield kill switch is hooked up and it's right there you know close to me but i'm telling you guys this because this happens so fast that it's scary we're in a no wake zone and we're i don't know 50 75 yards from the boat ramp from the dock and um i thought i put the boat back in neutral okay Thought I put it in neutral. It's still in gear. I didn't realize it. We're easing toward the boat dock because we were in no wake zone. I wasn't thinking about it. We're easing toward the boat dock. Again, 50, 75 yards away. She walks back from the bow of the boat. She walks back and goes to sit down in the seat. Well, because it has the, the full raft windshield on the front, we have a, a seat with a bolster in it, right? The thing that, that pops up, that, that, that sits up. And I hadn't been using the bolster that day. And she likes to use the bolster because she can see over the windshield and she can see how to, you know, how to load the boat. 
and she grabbed the seat to raise the bolster. And when she did, the seat spun. It's on a swivel. And when it spun, it hit the throttle. And when it hit the throttle, it went all the way to the floor. And it stood the front of that boat straight up. Knocked her in the floor and knocked me on the back seat. And when I say stood straight up, I'm talking 4,000, 4,500 RPM straight up. And luckily, we were both okay. And I was able to jump up and grab the throttle and, and bring it back to neutral. That was my fault for not putting it in neutral. Um, didn't hurt anything. Was nobody around. Luckily, it was a Thursday afternoon or a weekday afternoon, so nobody was, was, was around us. We weren't close enough to the dock for it to be an issue. But the fact that it happened so fast, just something you take for granted. You weren't even thinking about it. It happened so fast that I'm not going to preach about wearing a live jacket. I'm not going to preach about wearing a kill switch. I'm just going to preach about being diligent in what you do and never taking for granted whether you're switching drivers, we do it a lot, Kenneth, right? We, we, we do it a lot, let somebody else load the boat while we get the truck or whatever. Never take for granted that you got this. Always be cautious because that could have ended a thousand different ways right there and what happened. And it's, it's I tell you, that one shook me pretty good and, and nothing happened. So, but it still shook me pretty good. So, guys, just be, just be diligent and be aware. We say it all the time, you know, you don't you don't expect things like that to happen, but they're they're called accidents for a reason. Sure. They happen because they accidentally happen. Right. And so I mean, you know, obviously you're not expecting to do that, but it's something that can happen. And it you learn really fast, you're right, what can happen and how fast it can happen. And just, you know, if that had been on a Saturday or a Sunday and that no wake zone or that 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 boat or that that ramp area is full of people. It, it could have been a lot, a much different outcome. But luckily, it wasn't, and it just it really raised our awareness, um, heightened awareness, I guess, on, on what can happen. And, um, and it was all just because I didn't put the boat back in neutral. I left it, you know, just barely in gear, idling through that no wake zone. And then as soon as she turned the seat, the seat hit the gear, and just and it threw her back into me and threw us back on the back seat of the boat. And um, luckily, it you know, there was nothing back there that we could hit our head on or hurt us or knock us out and we were able to get to it. We had a friend of a friend of ours with us in the, in the very front of the boat in the bow. She thought we were horsing around. She thought we were playing. And I'm like, no, honey, that wasn't that wasn't a joke. This that was for real. And she couldn't figure out why it shook us up so bad. I'm like, because you just don't you don't know. I mean, you really don't know. You know, another thirty yards and we'd be on top of the boat or you know, on top of the boat boat dock or up on the ramp. You know, so or on top of somebody if there had been somebody around. So, guys, just be aware, be diligent, and um, you know, keep your head on the swivel, especially this time of year with uh, with things going on and folks on the water. So, David, did you learn anything this weekend? He's thinking awful hard. Well, sure, no, no. Um, since we were talking about, well, this is a stupid story, more or less, because it's about me. But um, never stupid, dude. You know, so Ronnie, Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie talked about it, and you know, Taku's story about. Um, you know how he got introduced. I think he got introduced into bass fishing by playing a video game. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think Hank Parker or something bassing game. So I got introduced into bass fishing by playing a video game as well, and it was the Bassmaster Classic video game on the Super Nintendo. Really? <laughs> so I shared that with the winner there. So, how how yeah. old were you? I was a lot older. I was probably thirteen. Wow, that's <laughs> you beat awesome. Hank Parker. That's awesome. <laughs> 
Well, Hank Parker wasn't in that game, but I, I mean, I, I guess I, I could say uh, I did a lot better than, you know, because what Fat Cat Newton claims he won the Bassmaster Classic twice in one year. I think I won it like four times in, this, in a yeah, summer. You, I knew I knew you had a leg up on him. I knew you did. That's awesome. <laughs> that is that is very cool. When did you go fishing for the first time in your life? Uh, my dad. So my dad was always a, more into like catfishing and stuff like that. So um, I know that I was, I was a kid. So I was probably like four or five, if not. I younger than that. So, um, but yeah, I didn't start bass fishing until, yeah, because I, I always wanted to go, but I knew that I didn't, I didn't know who and what to do. So I didn't get into, their, into them until like for, uh, high school. But uh, fishing wise, like they're about yeah, four or five for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Kenneth, what did you learn this week? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I was reminded, I guess, of something, you know, you know, I, I've got two kids and, you know, usually when you have multiple kids, they're not, they're not the same. They're, sure. they're a lot different in a lot of ways. I got two great kids, two awesome kids. I got a boy and a daughter. My daughter's graduated high school, about to go to college. So we spent the weekend, but more my wife on Saturday or Friday night and more me on Sunday afternoon, but trying to, you know, get things ready for her to go to school. Um, sure she is a lot easier to work with than my son. She will make a decision. <laughs> my son has a difficult time making decisions. I can't imagine. My daughter's awesome. That's cool. Well, that is, I mean, uh, he is too, She's, but she's awesome. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. Very cool. So, well, folks, as always, thanks for hanging out with us this week on the Anglers Channel Insider Podcast. We sure appreciate you for listening, and we do encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Uh, I also ask if you like the show, go ahead and share it with your mom and them, and feel free to chime in and give us your thoughts via the X-Zone hotline, 256-535-3217. With that said, on behalf of our guest tonight, the one and only Mr. Ronnie Moore. I mean, that's that's the the source right there, right? Ken Duke is the source of all things bass fishing. Ronnie Moore is the source of all things Bassmaster at this point, I think. I think I think Ken's got a somebody really gunning for his position later on in life as as Ronnie gets older because he definitely knows his stuff. And it's um it's it's impressive to watch and listen to, that's for sure. So for the AC Circus, I'm Chris Brown. Guys, have a great week and weekend. As always, God bless good fishing. Put that life jacket on. Put it in neutral as well. And uh, buckle that life jacket up and make, put that kill switch on. Guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Don't take it Thanks for listening to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, your number one tournament resource. 